There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Sound Theory, the makers of Golfos. If you want a substantial discount off of their Golfos plugin, make sure to stick around to the end where I share with you a 30% off discount code. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Lullaby Lou. Let me serenade you to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This is... How have you been, Lou? You've been good? I've actually been good. Uh, I decided to take the weekend instead of spending the hot, hot summer at the beach, and then I went through eight out of 15 boxes from when we first moved, and we purged so much, we only kept two of those eight boxes worth of things. So I have currently, I packed out like four boxes that I got to take to Goodwill today and just donate them out, see who needs whatever it is nice. that we no longer need. That's uh, that's always very like good for the soul to kind of clean everything out and kind of- oh, yeah. And and restart in that sense. I love doing that. There, who was the person that said like, if you move and you haven't opened a box in two years, don't even open it. Don't even. Yeah, don't just even throw it just away. to throw it away. But I, I knew it. there was a few things. So I, I want you to be like your birth certificate. <laughs> no, guess what? There was my sixth grade graduation certificate in there. Oh, so yeah. for sure needed to open that yeah. box. <laughs> but like, I brought back artwork. Like, um, me and Anna used to go to like events, and I would buy art from different artists every mm-hmm. time. Like, me and you went to the sixty six night market it and uh you saw me like scouting around like what am i gonna buy this time when i'm here um well i found an adam's family oil painting um i found a nuka cola from bioshock or no from fallout i don't know i forget uh nuka cola oil painting and um a circus oil painting which i don't know if you know this but people with tattoos used to be uh circus acts You'd be hmm. you'd be uh, you'd be allowed to be a circus act if you had tattoos because it was so weird back in the day. That's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, not well. You don't have any tattoos. I don't have any either, that you so, know of. That I know. Of. <laughs> That's scary. Well, today we have a very very exciting episode. A great episode. Um, we. Love, love the people over at Sound Theory, the creators of the, the plugin amazing called Golfos. Yeah, the Golfos plugin. It is a wonderful plugin that Lou and I use um, almost every single session. It's so interesting. All the reviews out about it are about how different it is and how you have to have a different mindset when using it. Yep. It's not quite like your regular EQ or any sort of tonal balancing. Um, plugin. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, especially with one of the main devs and um, one of the owners, Andy Tell. Hey, Hello, Andy. Andy. Uh, hi. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm great. Thanks. So we are, we are totally, this is like awesome 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for technology because it is, it is evening where you're at and it is morning where we're at. And we are all the way on the other side of the entire world, and we're still able to come up with this podcast episode. I'm still very grateful that this sort of thing exists. 
Andy, um, I know that we did have an episode in the past. So if you'd like to go back to our former previous episode about Golfos, um, which is super interesting. Andy did talk a lot about um, the AI and, or not the AI, but the coding and the development around the plugin and what it was originally used for and what it kind of turned into. Um, the point of the matter is that it it fucking rocks. Can I? <laughs> it rocks. It can be anywhere from super subtle uh, to Extreme. extremely drastic. And there's so much, a surprising amount of versatility. Now, we've seen some other companies try to be quite frank, try to copy what your code is doing, Andy. And, right. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's still not the same. There's, I think, the most impressive part. So basically, for anybody that's listening that's never heard of Golfos. Um, it is an automatic analyzer and EQ. So it like rapidly changes the EQ based on what's resonating, what's necessary, and kind of make sure that it's balanced out either on specific tracks or on buses or on mix bus. And um, it kind of does this really extreme low latency adjustments that are real time. So like the wave is the, the waveforms are always like alternating from yeah. its original point. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's actually really really interesting. I I'm going to talk later in the episode my favorite use cases for it. But um, Andy, can you tell us a little bit about the secrets of what's happening with this plugin? Yeah, I, I have a good question. Like for for the simplification of it, what is your description of what it's doing? Oh well, um, that's a very difficult question. So um, <laughs> I have to simplify somewhat. Um, the basic idea is that um, we want to maximize the information that reaches the higher levels of your brain processing. So uh, what we're doing is we're trying to understand the auditory system um, up to a cognitive level. And then uh, we try to change the input to your cognitive system in such a way that you really get the most of, of the details in, in the audio signal. Um, that translates to, in practical terms or in audio engineering terms, we are fighting mostly with masking, um, but also with, um, yeah, uh, something that, that you experience if you have uh, dispersion in, uh, in a part of your signal chain where your transients drift apart and instead of a a click, you get a very short sweep or something when your transients just become incoherent. That's also something we're fighting against. Um, hmm. and, and these two together practically make up what Goldforce is doing. So in, uh, in practical terms, it's, it's listening to your signal, trying to figure out what the best move is to bring it to a point where the details are uncovered and the transients are restored and sharp and then it does that move in real time it, it is super interesting because usually with plugins that kind of change and alter like the way that Golfos does really fast there usually is some sort of like transient distortion whether it's like a click or some sort of like movement that you yeah. were talking mm -hmm. about um, it's surprising that Golfos is really smooth in that area and has never had any issues I have noticed um, I think this is one of, maybe we talked about this in the previous episode that we did together, but there's a little secret. So once once you purchase or you get Golfos um, as a plugin from Sound Theory, there's three versions that you get. There's the regular version, which I think like the OG version, and then there's the mastering version, which is like way more nuanced and like has mm -hmm. like subtle increments. 
Um, and maybe there's some other coding things that you can tell us a little about. And then there's also the live version. And what I've noticed is that, especially for transients, the live version with the super low latency and less CPU processing, it actually reacts a little bit less to transients, which kind of gives it a really neat tone, like a really cool sound, slightly different. Um, yeah, so like there's so many you can keep using. Sometimes I use like the live one if I don't want it, if I'm using it on like a drum kit for example, so I can keep like the the peaks, but it kind of takes out the resonances. It's it's such a unique set of tools and and they all come in the same package. Yeah, that was yeah. actually kind of a happy surprise for me cuz uh I remember after the last episode, I was like, "Oh, DK got the light and the master. I got to ask him how it's doing." And then I just kept doing my work, you know, mastering for the year and blah blah blah. And then I hit up DK. I'm like, hey, man, um, I know we were working with Sound Theory. Like, is there any way I can hit them up about the master version? I'm really <laughs> curious to try it out. And he's like, you know it's in your account, right? I was like, what? <laughs> As an owner of yeah. Golf Oz, it's already in it's your already account. It's already in your account. I was like, really? And I go to my account. Sure enough, there it is. Just download the link. I was like, oh, my God. And I'll be honest. <laughs> I've been using the master a lot. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I do like the point one increments. That is actually extremely useful to me because uh, yeah. sometimes I just want like point two more, just maybe point one less or something like it's it's literally minute. But I really like uh, I actually use it a lot of my mastering gigs. So from the yeah. coding end of things, the development of things, Andy, what's um the big difference between the OG Golfos and the mastering version of Golf Off. Well, um, the three editions are optimized for different uh, situations. And the original one is the versatile one. It's uh, the one you should most of the time use, actually. And um, it does everything very well. But the live version just does live audio or low latency audio better because it only has two milliseconds of latency, whereas the um, original version has 20 milliseconds of latency. But make no mistake, this uh, lower latency comes with a, with a cost. It's um, slightly more CPU intensive and it's slightly less accurate. Um, so it's very, very suitable for, for all kind of line, live sound reinforcement or live tracking or whatever low latency is very important. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it as the general use case where you could as well use the original version. Um, you also mentioned that it treats transients differently. Yeah, that's true. It's de it doesn't treat transients at all. It just more or less ignores them because it's um, the, the low latency just doesn't allow us to uh, check out the transients properly. So we need to just uh, let them through. Um, which changes the sound character, uh, but not drastically so. It's it's a subtle difference, um, but it might be useful for certain goals in signal processing where you might want to keep your very, very snappy uh, bass transient or something like that uh, without it being touched in any way. Um, but the normal growth process usually does a good job in touching when, when it touches transients. It's, it should normally uh, preserve your transient snappiness, but equalize the transient slightly to, uh, to sit better in your mix. So um, I found cases where I really preferred Gulfos Live, but in, in general, I would say keep using the normal Gulfos unless you have a reason to use Gulfos Live. Um, 
similarly for the mastering version, uh, we've optimized that for the absolute most pristine signal quality that we could achieve. Um, and uh, we've added a, a few details to the cognitive model uh, model that uh, we had to ignore for CPU time reasons uh, in the normal edition. So um, that's the one that you should put on your mastering project, but really not so much on, on the mastering track of your entire mix with all the other plugins running, but on a dedicated mastering project where you can really spend all the CPU resources on this one plugin. Uh, because it's it's really CPU intense. It's um, I think it 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 saturates at ninety six kilohertz. It nearly saturates a single core of a modern machine. Um, wow. So be careful with that. Um, the reason why we created Gulfos Master is um, that if you do a lot of numerical processing, like inside Gulfos, the, the samples are touched a lot, and a lot of computations are performed. Then you introduce um, quantization round of errors. And this quantization noise can accumulate. And it accumulates up to uh, 100, minus 100 dB full scale in the normal edition of Gofos. And for some people who tried null testing with uh, Gofos set to neutral settings, uh, these minus 100 dB quantization noise were too much. Um, so we decided to offer uh, an alternative with high precision internal calculations that we think uh, are not generally needed, um, but we just we wanted to offer it for for those who think it's it's necessary. For if you do very very high quality mastering with very no, low noise floor, then it might make a difference. And um, we've also changed the user interface slightly to adjust for typical mastering requirements. Um, so uh, you can also increment and decrement parameters in, in a small, small step slices so uh, that you can uh, find exactly the spot where the sound is best. Those are essentially the, diff uh, the differences. Um, and also what we've changed is uh, the tuning of the internal listening parameters because Goldforce internally has a part of the code that is really listening to your signal. And uh, it's what we call the computational auditory perception model. It, it tries to estimate what parts are important and what are not uh, of your of your signal. Um, and this and, and these um, this listening code makes certain assumptions about how how you listen to the music. And we've moved these assumption, assumptions closer to a mastering scenario when it comes to listening loudness and um, a few other things. So with the same parameter settings, Gulfos Master performs slightly different than uh, normal Gulfos. Um, but normally you can, you can, by tweaking the parameters, you can match the two to sound similar. So um, there's, let's go right into the different parameters that you can tweak and change in um, all the Gofos modules is, first off, you have your bias. It can go up to 100% and down yeah. to negative 100%. What is the bias knob doing? Yeah, that's a tricky one. Uh, a lot of people get that one wrong. We've heard 
the most curious explanations. Like a lot of people think, uh, seem to think that it has to do with tape bias and or high and low frequency bias or something like that. It's it's nothing, it's nothing like this. Um, bias, Interesting. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, bias is um, something that we explain in, in our documentation, which everyone should read, by the way. it's uh, We've spent a lot of time trying to get that as accurate as possible. Um, so the two primary parameters, tame and recover, um, they work on specific parts of the frequency range, right? So we have frequencies where recover acts and frequencies where tame acts. And... For every instant in, in your audio signal, these, this partitioning between tame and recover is um, changing, right? Hmm. And so at, at one point in time where recover acts, tame doesn't act and the other way around. Bias slightly shifts the division of the frequency axis to favor recover or tame. That means if hmm. you use positive values of bias, then the, re- the, the parts of the frequency axis that are being recovered will be um, more than the parts of the frequency axis that, that are being tamed and the other way around. So if you, with bias, you essentially uh, control the, the dominance of the processes one of the, of, over the other. Um, so you give either give tame more frequency space or you give recover more frequency space. And this is very okay. useful if you, for example, use only one tame or recover, um, for example, in situations where you want to DS your signal or tame single resonances. Um, so you pull up tame to say 100%. Uh, and then you can use bias as something similar to, uh, to a threshold parameter uh, in an in an EQ, uh, in a, in a compressor or something like that, or a DS. I'm actually um, really curious on, to hold use on, that. Pause, pause, yeah. hold on. That's actually yeah. super cool. Yeah, I, am, <laughs> I, I think me and DK are lighting up at the same time off of that. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's really yes. I mean, um, usually, if you uh, want to use bias, you should also watch the uh, tame recovery bias meters on the left hand side of the mm-hmm. full screen that indicate how much taming recovering and uh, is happening and where the bias point is currently. Um, yeah, so if the bias meter is right at the center, uh, so you, you don't actually see it uh, because it's, uh, it's an earlier dot, um, then the same, uh, the same measure of frequencies is tamed and recovered. Um, and as soon as the bias meter moves up or down, you you get more recovering or more or more recovered frequencies or more tamed frequencies. I I, I really like this. Like I don't I don't think you either yeah. one of you understand how much I'm going to play with this today. I have an album to master, and I think I'm going to play with this more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's super interesting. Thank you for bringing up the fact that there is an actual in depth module or uh, manual. There's an in depth manual on SoundTheory.com. Uh, backslash how to it'll take you to a little pdf manual there's a link there at the bottom of the page um and it it goes over exactly what andy just talked about with um the bias knob the brighton knob um and to just go over briefly the other modules or the other parts of the uh the parameters that you could tweak there's a recover there's a tame um obviously the bias and the brighton and then there's a boost knob as well 
Um, the boost is not a, a volume boost. Um, can we talk a little bit about what the boost is doing? Yeah, that, that's also a tricky one. <laughs> you know, um, I've previously mentioned that our internal listening system, our auditory model, needs to listen in a certain situation, in a virtual situation, if you want. So um, we need to tell it, for example, at what kind of volume it needs to listen. And boost is an adjustment for the internal sound pressure level that the algorithm is listening at. Um, this has a certain consequences. For example, uh, just imagine a normal sound engineer. And um, you give that sound engineer the, the same kind of musical recording and play one back at, say, 100 dB SPL and the other one at 50 dB SPL. And then you ask him to EQ both. Um, then what you'll find usually is that the very loud uh, recording would probably end up being uh, cut in the highs and the lows. And the very um, quiet one will have boosted highs and lows after the EQ treatment by the audio engineer because human auditory perception uh, has different preferences at different sound pressure levels for high and frequency, uh, high and low frequency um, energy content or loudness, if you want. Um, so uh, you know that the the typical 80s hi-fi system loudness button uh, that you press if you can't listen to your music as loud as you want it, um, and it boosts the highs and the lows and gives you the impression that music is much louder than it really is. Um, something similar is happening with the boost setting. So if we if we tell the internal algorithm to actually listen to the piece of music that is running through Gulfos at a louder level, it will tend to reduce the, uh, the level of the highs and lows. If we tell it to listen at a lower level, it will boost the highs and lows. So the boost knob is the deviation of the standard listening level, if you want. That's so, actually super. We've talked about that on the show about how the human ear perceives different frequencies yeah. at different volumes. So it's basically that yeah. kind of, what is that, the Fletcher-Munson curves yeah. a little bit? Yes, but we, we are not based on Fletcher Munson. We have our own, own auditory model that uh, kind of um, supersedes Fletcher Munson, nice. uh, which is more detailed. Yeah, um, I, heard, I hear that Munson. from a professional standpoint, the Fletcher Munson curves are yeah. slightly out of date. Like it's a little out of date. They are very out of date. Actually, very there's a much more recent standard ISO uh, 226, which has not been greatly applied, but ours is even uh, more up to date or let's say more detailed because these these curves that you find there they are for stationary signals that means you you really try to find these equal loudness contours for uh, something like a stationary uh, sinusoid or something um, and we have a model that takes into account a changing signal so it's it's much more detailed and you can also see that if you just boost and leave all the other parameters zero you'll find that the loudness curve or the, the EQ curve actually adjusts with the signal. So it's, it's not a static curve like Fletcher Munson would, for example, suggest. Um, but it's, it's a dynamically uh, happening loudness adjustment. Um, and so let me quickly explain what, what Boost really does. If, if I 
use a positive boost value, you tell the internal algorithm to listen at a lower volume. Um, this is slightly counterintuitive at the moment, but you'll understand why it is like that in a second. Uh, and the internal algorithm will react with um, uh, boosting high and low frequencies because it listens at a lower at a lower volume, right? And and because it, the algorithm re reacts with the positive boost, we decided to make boost positive if you if we reduce the internal listening volume, um, so that it is more intuitive from the effect that that you see actually happening on the signal. Um, the same way, if you use a negative boost value, the internal algorithm will listen at a higher uh, internal loudness setting and uh, tend to cut highs in those. Actually, I, I kind of want to use this for creative practical reasons. I kind of yeah. want to see, I just want to apply it to some like previous masters that I've done that I used Golfoss on and see how it could have altered the end result. Yeah. So it's interesting yeah. for anybody that's listening right now to the show or watching us on YouTube or on or whatever that you're you're checking out the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you've if you have no idea if you do not know what plugin that we're talking about, well, first off, I know you've seen this plugin. You've seen YouTubers and different mixers use this plugin before. You've seen the GUI, um, and I will say there's also free trials on the Golfoss website. Um, I'm, we'll be doing giveaways throughout the year. Many people kind of, a few people do giveaways throughout the year. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing, amazing product. If you know what we're talking about, if you have this plugin, then I know that we're blowing your mind with some other use cases here, with some other ways to try this out. The cool thing about all of this is that we've had an episode in the past where we've talked about the, the problems of masking, right? And what masking is and different various ways to remove them uh, to a certain degree, um, if I'm understanding correctly, Golfos is a tool mostly made to uncover and remove masking frequencies in the most natural way to the human ear. Not only are these masking frequencies, it's not always 500 hertz, right? With the problem with the static EQ is that 500 hertz, it's like no matter how much the, if the key changes or if the person singing or the piano changes notes, it's no longer 500 hertz. The Golfos will kind of move along. Um, and move along with specifically which notes are masking each other, kind of like the frequencies that are masking. Um, and again, it's it can be extremely subtle. When I use it, it's a game changer because it is... It can be so subtle, but I, I really think the magic in this one is in the mid-range because I know there's parameters where you can like, hey, don't analyze or change too much of the low end and the high end. You can actually even go across each other so it only analyzes the top and high low end. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's... It's quite useful um, to uncover masking. And to the point where I use, I use Golfoss in every single live mixing stream that I do. And every single time I'm like, this is the secret. This is the secret sauce. Do I know what it's doing? No, not really. But can you hear what it's doing? Yeah, I do. And it's definitely clearing up that mid-range. It's clearing up uh, removing any uh, blanket like masking frequencies, which is extremely useful in order to improve... Uh, clarity, the detail, um, and even like some spatial issues with the mix as well, which is really, really interesting. A lot of times I'll actually use Golfoss to kind of like listen in for what I may have been missing, I guess, or have not been paying attention to. Mm. I don't know if you ever use it like that. I have a default setting that anytime I pull it up, it's 15 up on recovery, 15 up on uh, tame. It's filtering out 400 hertz and below and 7,000 hertz and below, uh, and above. 
and I just kind of listen to what it's doing. Mm. And then I'll bypass it, listen into the mix. I'm like, okay. It's way of, more I subtle. I kind of hear, yeah, it's, it's much more subtle, but it's kind of like, okay, actually I'm going to use this as a way of identifying certain things in the mix that I maybe did not hear before. Or, you know how it is, you got to take breaks, but you haven't taken a break. Maybe the client's in front of you and they're not trying to take breaks after two hours, three hours, four hours. And because of that, you've actually kind of lost perspective. This is kind of a cool little tool to actually use to regain perspective. I literally use it for the same exact thing. Like, there'll be, there'll <laughs> cool. be times where like I use it just to be like I think I covered all my masking frequencies or I think I've gotten everything and then I pull it up and be like oh shit oh yeah that's right <laughs> I forgot what 400 hertz is supposed to sound like <laughs> and like you kind of use it as a reference um I love that it's it's first off it's really like a cheat code meaning that like if I have no clue what it's doing. You don't have to have a clue what it's doing. You just like bypass a turn up, like just try it out. It's it's one of those things that's really, really intuitive and easy to use for newer beginner to intermediate level mixers. Mm -hmm. But then like be like, oh, just slap this on, kind of dial it in a little bit, you know, make sure it sounds good. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But then there's also a lot of crazy tweakability with this. It's kind of like... Uh, and Lou and I's obsession recently is coffee. Like, sure, anybody can just have regular coffee and it's great, but like, you can really, really tweak it. Like, it can, it goes so deep. You know, the information in the culture just goes so deep, and it's it's so interesting with with Golfos that it's so much more than just an automatic EQ. And yeah. and be quite frank, I mean, you listen to Andy talk about the coding in the background. You listen to our previous episodes. It's extremely thoughtful, and. I think that's one of the most exciting parts about all of this is how much thought Andy has put in. Andy and the team has put in um, how beautiful the aesthetics are, how well it looks. Um, and there's a couple secrets that I want to tell you about, Lou. So if you are using it or if you're getting, if you're getting the trial, um, there's a couple secrets, a couple quick keys. And Andy, I know that this is, I know that you know what these are, but a couple quick keys that you can know about. So if you change a parameter and you want to see if it's actually helping you, you can alt-click to alternate between the previous va value. So if let's, let's say you go up like 50% on the tame, and you alt-click, it'll go to zero, and you alt-click again, it'll go back to 50. I like so it's kind of like, okay. like bypassing a parameter. Wait, so hold on. If it, Let's say it was at 17 and I go to 50. Will it go back to 17? I think, uh, I think so. It says the previous parameter. Is that right? I'm actually not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Got him! Got him! Uh, the guy that coded it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, I, I don't expect you to keep track of every feature. I mean, yeah, there's so many yeah, things no. at our studio that we have that like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so funny. So, um, yeah. So but my I, head is, is in different pieces of the code now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what it does at the moment. In, in the so I think it, the point is with this is do exactly what Andy said before, which is read the manual. What is what is the acronym? R-O-T-F-M. Which, uh, I don't know if you know this, I used to be a lot more ruthless with this with the interns. <laughs> if anybody ever asked me, they're like, hey, can we go over the distressor? It's like, uh, let me ask you first, did you read the manual? It's like, what do you mean? I'm like, R-O-T-F-M. And they're like, what does that mean? Read the fucking manual. <laughs> like, read the manual first, then we'll go over it together. I just want to make sure you're reading the manual. Get into the habit of reading manuals. Uh, so another, so this is a really, so alt-click, mm -hmm. super useful. Another one too, this is this is actually really nice that's built in, um, is shift-drag. 
So shift, click, drag will okay. actually, just like in Pro Tools, if you hold down command with faders, okay. if you hold down command, it'll go into like micro increments. So instead of like full dBs up and down with the fader, you can do shift, drag, and that does like more smaller increments. So you can mm, actually um, be a lot more precise. Unless you're using the mastering version. Which is already in increments. Yes, where you speed up the um, the fatal movement or the, the drag speed. It's the opposite. Okay, yeah. so I'm not going to lie. I'm really glad I learned this because my only yeah. qualm with Master is that it just takes <laughs> so much dragging. <laughs> yeah. But this is why I like having oh, I a trackball because, you know, I just spin my little dial in circles. So, yeah. so in the mastering yeah. version, the shift does larger increments. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can also type in the value directly. You, yeah, you if you double tap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's super okay. interesting. Yeah. I, I did not know that. That actually is in- incredibly useful. Yeah, uh, the typing it in part is the part that saves me. Uh, it's just it's it's always fun whenever I'm like like ooh, I just want to turn it up a little, and then I forget that it's incremental. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's another one you might not know, and that ooh. has to do with um, use of multiple Gulfless instances in a in a mixing session. Ooh, um, I was going to ask about example, this. I'm I'm a big fan of using Ghostforce hierarchically, so I can I have it on some of the individual track, tracks, and then I have it on some of the buses, and I have it on the master. And at the end, I want to hear how much of a difference it made. So I, I bring up one of the instances and shift click the bypass button, and it bypasses all the instances in the project. Shift click bypass. Yeah. Really? That's Okay, wait, and wait, it doesn't matter. Click bypass. So yeah, if you yeah. shift click the bypass button, in it the, bypasses in the user every interface. single one. Yeah, and it and, doesn't and matter the, that they're on the same slot or anything. This is like compatible across yeah, it's, all dogs. It's everywhere. Unless you have a host that supports different plugin formats. So it's only for one plugin format. If you do it for VST3, then only VST3 plugin instances are going to be affected. That's interesting. Um, That's actually but, super um, it, um And the UI will, will um, not show a big bypass over your EQ graph, but it, it will read session bypass, I think. That, so that's can, right. That's right. I kind of want to try this because I was going to ask you about multiple multi-use. Um, see, I've yep. had this conversation with people in the past where they, they've uh, expressed concern in using more than one instance or using them on buses, though it literally says it in the manual that that's okay to do. Um, yeah. Is there any intercommunication between the plugin, between channels, or is each one standalone? Because in my understanding, it would make sense if they were standalone because they're just focusing on their source material versus, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like Sound Radix's Play and Pi, where it's a phase tool between multiple sources yeah. and you can group them. Um, I don't really think that's what's going on here. I could be wrong. If you're using multiple instances across your session, is there... Uh, a chance of overusing the plugin or or what is I don't think the, that, yeah. I don't think there is any risk of doing that um, there's no communication between the plugin instances instances apart from the session bypass feature which clearly affects all the uh, exactly. plugins but um, there's no communication regarding signal content on whatsoever and we also we don't think that it, it would be a good idea to have that um, I know a lot of companies do that, uh, but they immensely restrict your signal flow and you have to follow so many rules when mixing. You have to put it first in the track and then you have to leave your DAW faders at zero dB and whatnot so that it knows how to compare these signals because it wouldn't know what happens to the signals afterwards. 
Um, it's true. Yeah. Actually, I yeah. actually so, don't prefer those types of plugins. Yeah, yeah that's why it's, anytime it's I do like making, live drum tracking, if I do use a plugin of that nature, I try to render it after the tracking session so I don't have to ever deal with it again. Yeah, as a company, we, we would like to, to see functionality, functionality like that provided by the host. So, um, you know, if, if there's a, an operation that's sensible to, to perform on, on multiple tracks at once, um, then the host should provide an interface for that. Uh, and unfortunately, the only host that does that is Studio One. Um, mm-hmm. And it uses a VST3 extension for that. But uh, the other host manufacturers don't seem to care. So, I uh, did not know that about yeah. Studio One. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, I've almost switched over to Studio One so many times. Many We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> the last thing that <laughs> I might switch to Wave Labs. I'm talking to I'm talking to Flint about it. Uh, there's a there's a, a last feature is the built-in bypass button. So not the one that's like the Studio One or like the DAW bypass button, but the one as part yep. of the plugin um, yep. is really really great. Because if I'm not mistaken, from what I understand when I read the manual was that it is supposed it's not really totally uh bypassing the processing at all it's it's kind of uh it's still kind of like gain matching so you can have a better sense of what it's actually doing uh, is that correct almost um if you hit the bypass button and the plugin reads bypass um then actually what you hear is the exact signal that get, gets into the plugin um but the processing engine is running in the background so you don't save any cpu cycles uh, and if you disengage bypass again you can directly hear without any latency adjustments or any gaps or anything the process signal and that process signal is perfectly game matched so we are trying to avoid cheating you or anyone with uh, just making the signal louder or just brighter or something like that we just want to perfectly match it to uh, what you had before so that you can really focus on the difference that the EQing uh, makes to the signal and nothing else. So we've put a lot of effort into uh, providing the best, uh, the best perceptual loudness matching in, in the industry. And so I think I we just, have it. I just want to be clear. This guy, the plugin developer Andy from Sound Theory, just said what I want every other plugin developer ever to say, which is, I don't want to trick anybody into thinking that our product is working. Like, we want to be as neutral as possible. Boy, do I wish every other plugin <laughs> company ever said that. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to name them, but you know how many plugins in my plugin archive I have that I have to create defaults for because. Especially the new, the, the new one from an, somebody we know. We were not again. We're not. Yeah, gonna we're not going to say it. who. But like, <laughs> as soon as as soon as you turn it on, it actually has a setting turned up five decibels oh as the default gosh. setting because that's how they use it. I'm like, yeah. As soon as you put the plugin on, oh, it's louder. That's the, great. Yeah. So thank thank you for having <laughs> integrity for all of us. Because slowly, I mean, even there's YouTube uh, YouTube channel. Uh, one of our favorites, like really really nerdy ones, Paul Third. Um, he talks about like especially he like calls out every single advertiser and um, uh, snake oil. 
uh, Snake Oil guy, White Sea uh, Studios. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like calls out every advertiser. Like, why is this even in here? Why is this boosting 3DB? It says it's adding harmonics. I can factually show you it is not. Oh, but that it is, is distorting the transient. That is super great. I wish more plugins did this, which is actually, you were talking about like the latency. So if you bypass the plugin, it bypasses the processing completely mm -hmm. if you do it through the DAW. Yep. But if you bypass it, it doesn't actually stop the processing. Which in turn, like, so when you unbypass it without any sort of clicks, pops, or any sort of pause in, you know, the delay or whatever, mm -hmm. you can hear the processing right off the bat, which is actually, which is actually super. I wish most other companies had that option. Yeah, I actually really like that because um, anytime I'm talking to a client and uh, let's say they're like, hey, you know, just out of curiosity, like, is there a chance for me to hear the original mix versus the master? Because they want to compare, they want to make sure the integrity is still there. They sometimes want it hyped up, or they want it to sound the same but louder. Whatever the goal is, it's really distracting when they hear the click and they're like, "Oh, you switched something. What'd you change?" I'm like, "No, I just went to the before and after to see if you heard it." They're like, "The click's very distracting." It's like, "I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I have no control over that. That's that's just, you know, the plugin doing its thing." But. Yeah, Goldfoss, I did notice that. I did notice uh, that it just continually, it stays consistent. It stays consistent. That's the best way I can describe it from previous previous experience without the new info. Okay, so the last thing that I want to touch on mm -hmm. is this is in a newer version. So first off, if you already own Goldfoss, then you need to go to the website and freaking update the plugin, especially yes. if you do not have the three versions because that's part of it. Um, thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> That's super awesome and kind. Um, but ever since uh, version 1.9, they've introduced sidechain as well. So there's an input sidechain, mm -hmm. which I know I have a lot of case uses for this, uh, but why was that implemented, Andy? Um, two main reasons. Um, the first one is to support STEM exporting or STEM mastering. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. So a typical workflow for that is uh, you um, um, export the entire mix, uh, put that on the sidechain, and then export each individual stem with that sidechain. Yep. I feel so dumb right now because I did not realize you could use it like that. And yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anytime I use Goldfoss in STEM mastering situations, that's exactly what I do. I did not think to <laughs> yeah. do that. I did not think to do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is going to save and me so much time in the future. The other, the other application we had in mind is um, surround mixing. Um, so if you do, um, especially like Dolby Atmos or something like that, uh, mastering is very, very tricky. Um, and one of the approaches to have a good mastering a good master for, for Dolby Atmos uh, uh, project is to export the entire file to something like a stereo renderer and then use that as a sidechain for each individual master, uh, for each individual object track or um, bed track in the, in the Dolby Atmos project. And that also works with sidechaining. Um, yeah, that, those are the two legitimate users of, of the sidechain. And then there are a lot of creative users, if you want. Um, Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I was, you go ahead. I'll ask after. I, I'm just, I just wanted to say we don't really endorse those. It's uh, up to you to do that. Um, yeah. We're more on the technical side of things. 
If you were <laughs> if you were trying to have Golfos react to a specific range, I know that you have the filters. Have you yeah. have you ever uh I guess been asked about sending the specific track as a sidechain input to a master bus or whatever busing, let's say that it was the S's that you wanted Golfos to react more to. You could just filter to that range or could you use the sidechain for that? I'm I'm trying to think of some of the creative applications of it, but have you ever seen any that I know you said you don't typically endorse it, but have there hadn't been been one that's kind of more practical than creative? Um Yeah, I'm thinking. I, I haven't used it that much, but uh, I guess yeah, you you brought up something that that would be entirely useful, uh, filtering the side sidechain, but leaving essentially the same signal as the sidechain. Mm-hmm. Um, that could certainly work. Uh, yeah, because I would imagine maybe sure. maybe the overall balance is great, but you wanted to focus yeah. up on a certain range, but you still like the application of GoFoss in other ranges. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I wonder what that would sound like. There's also. It's also like really interesting because it's capable of being flexible. Like exactly that. Like the point that that we can even talk like this and think about what other options there are, even with its what what could be seen as few controls. Those few controls can do so much within themselves. Yeah. So just just well, go ahead. Um, one use case I, I actually found useful was uh, using GoForce on, on reverb tails and then use the sidechain to uh, cut out the vocals, for example, uh, from really? the reverb. That... I've, I've done yeah, this. You... This is one specific use case that I've done. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I've done multiband on reverbs uh, to kind of help in shaping and then re- like releasing the shaping after the vocals cut out and all that, but I've never tried Golfos. Yo, it's great. Even if you don't use the sidechain thing, even if you just put it on the reverb, it's great. You know what? I kind of feel like having a creative mixing day. Somebody send me a song. There's, <laughs> like, it, that's actually one of my, that's, I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's like literally one of my favorite uses is, is through the reverb as well. I love, hmm. oh, that's so great. I'm not going to lie. I have used it on delays. Uh, especially like heavily modulated delays that mm. sometimes they don't really poke through like like a delay that's just dry like the h delay where it, it pings through almost like a transient but um i've never used it on a reverb so here's the thing so i yep. want to go through as we kind of you know we talked about everything that's possible with the plugin i want to kind of end this episode with actual ways and practical uses that Lou and i have used mm. this because i think that this will be interesting cuz most people listening right now um, are the engineers. They're looking for practical ways to... First off, I think the question is, is it worth the money? Um, yes. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was easy. Uh, I do think that it's actually extremely useful and extremely versatile for all demographics, meaning that it's, it's, it's great for those that are, that are beginner to intermediate because the point is masking frequencies are a big problem. Mm-hmm. And there are... I mean, this plugin is so flexible that... You can do too much. You can, and and that's the beautiful thing is that this plugin is powerful enough that it can do too much. So we say that it's a subtle tool, but that's because we use it subtly. Yeah. Um. And and that's super great. So, uh, this is a really powerful tool, and I would say one of the most common things. It, I would say, beginner mixers because we do mix back feedback feedback Fridays on Twitch Twitch every week, and the most common 
things that we see across many mixers that are trying to learn how to mix is one, masking frequencies, and two, general tonal balance, where like they've cut out too much low mids or they've mm-hmm. added too much low mids, um, as well as like the guitar and the vocals have this like really pokey thing at like 2K, 1 to 2K. Like these are very common things that Golfos specifically can help you with, both on the individual instance, like if it's mm-hmm. a peaky vocal or a peaky guitar especially in the mid-range, then it, it'll help you with that. And then yeah. if you put it on like a mix bus or a bus instance, it'll help with general tonal balance, mm-hmm. which is which is really, really useful. It, it, it specifically addresses the two main problems that I see quite often, um, which is really great. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, it is so flexible that you can actually use it Extremely. My favorite uses of this, and I want you to talk about your favorite uses mm-hmm. of this as well. My actual favorite uses, other than reverbs, we're not going to count those, is because it's, <laughs> it's like kind of like it's super dope. And the secret, okay, hold on. The secret to the reverbs is the boost knob. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say is the boost knob. You go 100% one way or the other, freaking dope. Okay, but <laughs> uh, uh, my favorite is actually what you were talking about. I think we kind of came up with the presets together. It's like filtering that super hyper low end and filtering the the top end, so like mm-hmm. keeping it within the mid-range, so it's actively working in the mid-range, and then using it on the buses or individual tracks of mid-range things. Things like yeah. Wurlitzers, Rhodes, pianos, mm-hmm. strings, um, even vocals just to touch sounds great. I use it like almost every time on yeah. lead vocals just to touch. Um, and... Uh, uh, what else? Like guitars, both clean and dirty. Things oh, that yeah. take up a lot of mid-range information is is freaking beautiful. It's like really, and it's also like very like gracious, meaning that like it it's it's really forgiving. It's yeah, really forgiving. Yeah. It doesn't sound overdone like some plugins where, um, like I'm a big fan of like Oxford's Inflator, right? But after a certain percentage, it's just too much. It, it's, it's also, very it's, clearly too much, and it's adding things that don't need to be added all the time. Uh, where with Goldfoss, it will only add where you actually kind of want it to add. It's it's a very, like you said, it's it's very graceful. It's very forgiving. And that's actually what I really like about it because it's one of those that it works on almost any source I've ever tried. And I say almost because I put it on my own voice. Nothing can fix my voice. okay okay no but uh i really like using it as uh like i said as kind of a listening tool especially because um like we talked about the masking frequencies earlier if you apply it on things like you said like the rows the wurlitzers and all that if you start actually pulling back on the bands that you actually were filtering out before, you can actually start shaping the tone in almost a very musical way with it too. Mm. It doesn't just work in a very like analytical, technical kind of way. It's very musical in itself. So sometimes when I'm working on the master bus, I actually filter down uh, to 4K and I filter up to 800 hertz because there's usually a lot of harshness in that range for me. So, so you're only processing 800 hertz to 4K. Yeah, starting. And then I try to see what it's doing, and I try to listen in for like the differences that it's making there, and I make corrections from there. But as I start pulling it to the sides and widening up its filters, I actually start listening to what it's doing to the top end, what it's doing to the S's, what it's doing to the low end, to the kick drum. And I start, as I go and continue my mix bus processing or mastering session, I'll actually open it little by little, and I'll actually analyze ranges as it changes. And I'll make adjustments from there. So I'll work from the center out because I'm a big believer in the magics in the mid range. But 
That doesn't mean that there's no magic in the top end, that there's no magic in the low end. But Goldfoss has a really cool way of showing you what's there, uh, what it believes could be corrected, what it believes could be tamed a little more. Um, if you look at how it uh, changes to like sibilance, how it changes to like a snare drum, when uh, a bass uh, 808 does its glide, you know, um, and you see how it's actually reacting, you kind of might notice things you didn't hear before. Maybe there's something in your room that nulls something out and you didn't notice it before. You may put it on your headphones. You're like, oh my God, yeah, I see what it's doing. Or I hear what I saw because you might have not heard it before. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a really cool tool for starting out on where you want to focus and then musically applying it as you go. Yeah, I, I think that that's the last thing too. I, the way that, I know Andy, I know you didn't intentionally do this. I mean, it is, I mean, from your perspective and our perspective is very different. You're looking at the back end and really? we're, we're kind of using it, but it, it ended up being way more musical. I mean, because yeah. I, I think from the first time we talked, was it was it meant to be like I don't I don't remember exactly what we said, but I think we came to the conclusion that it ended up becoming way more musical than we thought it was going to be, right? Yeah, uh, we were generally surprised by how well it worked. Um, so yeah, I found a lot of uses that we didn't expect. Like for example, my favorite off-label use is. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with depth staging in my mixing. And mm -hmm. um, GoForce is very, very great to uh, establish a sort of depth staging that you cannot get uh, or that is very, very hard to achieve with ordinary mixing techniques. You know, most people think depth staging is all about sending to the right reverb bus and having the right reverb pre-delay and, and things like that. But the most fundamental thing that really gives you depth information is... Um, high and low frequency content. So if you want to move something far away, uh, reducing high and low frequencies is really helping a lot, but not, you know, not with the, with your normal uh, 12 to be high cut, low cut uh, filters. Those don't really help with depth sensation. You need something that is more um, adjusted to your listening experience. And as it happens, the, Boost parameter is exactly that. So if you if you want to simulate, for example, the proximity effect on uh, when recording vocals, you can increase boost slightly. Or if you want to have your vocal uh, slightly more at a distance, then reduce boost. And this generalizes to practically any instrument. So one of the first things I do um, when trying to establish a depth staging is uh, I use both for some buses and tracks and use the boost param parameter exclusively to to try to uh, sort the instruments uh, in in the depth uh, on the depth axis, and only then I, I try to uh, corroborate this sensation with uh, the proper reverb and pre-delay and everything, and that gives fantastic mixes. Uh, mixes I, I can really only recommend to try that, and it also helps with uh, with some, something else because our uh, loudness compensation is always working in the background. Um, it will compensate for the lack of low and high frequencies, so. For example, say you have, uh, because we talked about it, a Rhodes uh, track, and you're playing the Rhodes with low keys, and you have a lot of rumble going on, low-frequency mm -hmm. stuff, and that produces a lot of groove and vibe, and you don't want to reduce that because it would, it would be missing from your mix. Um, then reducing boost will actually compensate for the missing low frequencies by compensating the overall loudness and adding, adding 
by adding vibe to the rest of the frequencies. So you will you will notice that you get a, a subtle pumping movement in in the rest of the roads uh, that is not low frequency, and that can really really greatly support the groove of your music of your music, especially if all instruments do that. So um, I've tried that on a on on one of the garage band demo tracks, I think, for for a trade show demonstration. Um, and the track was using just, you know, samples from garage band and they're recorded well, but you know, they don't really groove as such. Um, and if you just add them, stack them up until you have something sufficiently complicated, and then add Gold Force at some depth staging and it suddenly starts to groove. I mean, really groove. Yeah. And that's I, fantastic. I mean, I, I can only really recommend everyone to play with that. I really like that you brought up depth uh, in the actual track as a result of Goldfoss's use, because I'm not going to lie, that yeah. was exactly my first reaction and my first impression when I first used Goldfoss. I remember listening to it, and uh, this isn't like a fanboy kind of like response or anything, but I remember listening to it and being like, holy shit. Like, it really sounds like the vocals there. Like, it went from, like, having its sound, its overall general sound that we hear, to, like, something just got out of the way. Yeah. And it felt like the depth of the frequencies kind of pushed back of what I didn't want to hear, but what I would have wanted to hear came forward. So I didn't really think of that as a description, uh, but I really like that you said it because that was what it felt like when I first heard it. I think I think the yeah. whole idea of like depth staging and uses of effects as well mm-hmm. is would be a great separate episode um, yeah. that nobody nobody really ever talks about. Uh, and again, like using it on these reverbs as well as like even on vocals, just yeah. sounds absolutely amazing. If you are interested in checking out Golfoss, just go to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash Golfoss. That's spelled G-U-L-L-F-O-S-S. Not only can you get a trial for any of their plugins, but you can also get 30% off if you use our secret code. The code is D30. That is D-E-E-30. This secret code only works for the next three weeks. So if you're listening, that's until August 9th, 2022. So make sure to pick it up during the next three weeks. Thank you so much, Andy, for spending some time with us and joining us on the Mixing Music Podcast. If there's anything else that you want to learn about about the plugin, if you want to get the trial, if if you have questions or want to check out the manual, um, if whether or not you're already a user, you can go to soundtheory.com. So one more time, that's soundtheory.com. Check out the Golfoss plugin. Andy, I know you can't really tell us, but I may have heard a little whisper that there's some future stuff coming up too. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> we're not stopping here, but we're just taking our time. You know, we. The perfectionists. Um, so then expect uh, three new plugins in a year or so. In a oh. year? In a year? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, we are, we're working on, on some exciting things, but uh, we can't really discuss yeah, of course, them. Of course not, of course not. But um, this is a really awesome company. Uh, really great people over there. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, and once again, if you have any questions, if you have anything, just go to soundtheory.com. Uh, thank you so much for the mixing music for listening to the mixing music podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave a five star rating or 
you know, or a thumbs up, whatever it is on your listening uh, platform. If you would like three times the amount of episodes, that's right. If you like the Mixing Music Podcast and want to hear three times the amount of episodes that are go over specific, uh, specifically technical tips on how to mix, then go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive, and that'll open up two more episodes every single week for you. It's only the price of a cup of coffee, so it's only $4 a month or $40 a year, and that triples the amount of content you get. So mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive. Lou is streaming, tries to stream every Monday evening from 6 or 7 p.m. Yep. That's twitch.tv backslash master by Lou. Um, join our Discord, blah, blah, blah. There's a bunch of information at mixingmusicpodcast.com. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show.